0: Greetings, citizens, and welcome to the DC Comics News Podcast. Yes, we're back for episode 59. And with me is Mr. Brad Felicki. Hello. Mr. Seth Singleton. Why, hello. And I am, always have been, and always will be, Steve J. Ray. Welcome to another show. We've got lots of news for you. As always, we will begin with the movie news of the week and what a week it's been for movie news people um salivating chomping at the pit and starting to get excited now we've seen an actual glimpse of Senor robert Patinson in full-on batman costume and uh listen that bat emblem Um, nice tribute to uh kevin smith's story in detective comics 1000 i think is that the remnants of the gun that killed the waynes sported
1: on his chest
0: brad what do you make of the new look and what do you make of this story
1: i think that that's a good theory i and i did like the um the kind of kevin smith tribute if you will um but to be Honest, I didn't feel like I got a really good look. I thought the video was a little too quick and all the reds. So I would like to see uh, like a full color image, which I'm sure we'll see pretty soon. But uh, every bit of news coming from this film so far has been wonderful. So I, you know, it just these things just go on and on to make me more and more excited. Uh, I think that this movie does have the potential to blow everybody away. And from what I can see from the Batman design, it's, it's, it's right on par. So uh, Seth, what'd you think?
2: I was really impressed. I thought this was a great first glimpse and yeah, I love the reference to the detective comic story by Kevin Smith. Um, as soon as I saw a, a few comments from the group responding to the footage And someone mentioned, does that look like it's a broken down gun that's making out the bat symbol? I I love the response of those who had read the story in Detective Comics and were saying, yeah, look, just like in Detective Comics number 1000, you know, the idea of taking this symbol and twisting into something different, something to fight for. Um, Overall, I felt that I have to agree with Brad, too, that man, it was quick, (laughs) it was really quick. And that was the hardest part about it, was realizing that once you saw it, if you watched it again, you just had to sort of like, try and focus as much as possible on what you could take in on each viewing. And then at some point know that, okay, am I remembering what I saw correctly this time around? Am I getting lost in trying to see something I really liked again and again? It'll be nice when there's more to see, more to examine, more to uh, look into because these first glimpses have really provided some some great insight and potential and already i'm loving the reference points points as they've been pointed out how about you my friend how about you steve exactly what you
0: both said when it comes to teasers that's exactly what that was it was a tease because we get pure black and that Really cool sounding score. If that's going to be the way the movie sounds moving forward, I'm quite happy with that. It's it's like yeah. a cross between a more sort of like um, earthy, darker t- t sound. It's not fully orchestral. It's just barely just a few noises and, and sounds that really really bode well. And um, yeah, that close up of the bat symbol. As soon as I saw it, I thought, hang on, that's a gun that's been spliced, and that's even deeper than the, the melted down idea that kevin smith had that's actually quite kind of dark but then i also like the collar uh, around the neck which is very now very um sean murphy from uh, white knight if you've been reading that so all the elements of the costume look great but i've got one major bugbear and where are the ears did you guys feel that too we don't see the bad ears. so is this going to be a, a bob kane Pointy back ears, or is it going to be tall ears, short ears? Did you
2: catch that too? Did you feel we needed to see a bit more of that side of the mask? I certainly noticed it, and I I saw that it was a a thread of discussion that others were bringing up. I was intrigued by the choice to just focus more on the symbol, the face, and also it it was interesting from the angle and perspective. I really seemed to find myself drawn to looking at the eyes to watching what they were telling me, as though uh, there was a really important focus and it was being guided so that I wanted to see what the emotions, because I felt like he was looking down, then down to the side, and then at some point recognizing that that he's being watched or recognizing something in the distance, like his viewpoint suddenly changed to somewhere out there, like something's coming. Um, so So I felt that too. Yeah, those all felt like they were the way the camera was setting me up. And then I found myself going, okay, the focus right now isn't about the ears. But what I should be focusing on are the things that they're showing me. And there's a a lot to be drawn from from that. But yes, there are so many elements of mystery, and the ears are definitely one of them, Steve. I agree.
1: You know, I'm curious, and I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but we don't exactly know where in Batman's career this movie is placed. Um, I don't know if that's official or not, because I I was curious as like maybe this is kind of like one of an earlier costumes in his earlier days as Batman, you know, not maybe not like as far back as year one or Batman Begins, but where he's still kind of figuring the costume out. And maybe that's kind of why we didn't see much of the ears.
0: You're spot on, actually. And Matt Reeves has literally in the last uh, few hours and uh, later yesterday confirmed that this is a year two story so yes he's very early in his career okay. but he's not focusing on the um batman begins year one era he's already had a bit of experience but he's still learning and that also ties in with the whole idea of when we first heard the story touted that he's going for along halloween which is a year two story it's set after year one mm-hmm. and it's the time when Harvey Dent becomes Two-Face. It leads to the road to Dark Victory and taking on Robin as his first psychic meeting, Dick Grayson, and and the loss of the flying Grayson. So that makes perfect sense. So, yeah, not seeing the ears is actually something that adds to the mystery and adds to the anticipation of the whole clip. And like you said, yeah, I spotted that whole thing as well. Where at first he's just looking down and then something catches attention. I love the way you said it, Seth. Something is coming. And that's something... (laughs) It's Matt Reeves' The Batman, something to look forward to. Right, so moving on from The Dark Knight, we have to talk about his nemesis. And um, I I know the Joker's a criminal and he steals and he robs and he kills, but he's definitely stolen all the awards um, for every kind of awards ceremony, and every kind of awards show. And yes, it's official, Joaquin Phoenix is best actor. And of course, Brad, you and I will be very happy with the news of the score also got an Oscar and to me they're the ones that count um what do you guys make of this story
1: Brad oh yeah I was definitely definitely happy that it won best score for sure and I definitely not surprised that uh Joaquin won best actor you know I, I'm sure he was the favored uh if you know if people sometimes people do bet on who wins and things like that I'm sure he he had the best odds so it certainly wasn't a, prize, a surprise, and I definitely think it was, was well-deserved. I think he did incredible things with the role, uh, and his speech was uh, was great as well. Seth, what did you think?
2: I was really proud in that moment, not only when he received the Oscar, but when it was preceded by the announcement for the best original score. Um, I as I was listening to the haunting tones, while she walked up to the stage, I thought to myself, that is such a signature moment to be able to hear the music you crafted for the movie while walking up to the stage to accept the award, recognizing the brilliance of that work. And then later to have it followed up with the uh, best Oscar going to Joaquin Phoenix. And the way that, yes, in his speech, He really tried to do more than just be thankful for the award and all the recognition he has so far received for it and the performance, but to point to a place where that performance came from. The idea that this was a story that was trying to talk about a moment then, much like we're trying to talk about the moments now, whether they're difficult, whether they're challenging. But most importantly, because of the things that can rise out of them when we don't give them the attention they deserve, treat them the way they can be treated, address the problems that can turn into bigger complications. It it was a really powerful night and a great moment of recognition for a movie that I was saying it back when we were still talking about it coming out. We're going to be talking about this for a long time. We're going to be comparing a lot to it. And I'm just looking forward to the more we get to share. How about you, Steve? Yeah,
0: totally in agreement. Um, the moments where uh, the score got the award, and and like you said, Brad, Joaquin's acceptance speech was deep. It was heartfelt, and it was emotional. And to end it uh, with a mention of his uh, late departed brother, uh, another stellar actor who was taken from us far too soon. I, I mean, both River and Joaquin Phoenix, um, two stellar actors, and... It's a shame that we lost one, but having him remember his brother so beautifully um, when accepting his, his Oscar was, was a really, really great moment. And that film, we said it. Yeah. We're going to be talking about this movie for a long, long time and it's out on home release. Now people who may have missed it on the big screen um, really did miss something. And even though I still don't know whether I can say I liked the movie Um, It made me feel something. It made me feel horror, revulsion. It made me feel sorry for a character at first. And any movie that makes you think, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I didn't not like it, but I can't say I did like it. I just, it just blew me away. It just left so many emotions in my head. And a lot of that was down to that beautiful music and Joaquin's performance. And the film is definitely a game changer, particularly for comic book fans like ourselves. And on the opposite side of the spectrum, um, I don't think there could be two comic book movies more different than Joker and the current uh, box office movie, uh, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, even though in many places around the world, it's not actually called that anymore after the slightly rocky start. Now, I've seen the film and I loved it. What do you think of this name change?
1: Brad? Well, I think that if it helps it make more money, then then I'm all for it because it it does deserve to be a success. Um, And regardless of what the name is, I think that, you know, I, I hope that Warner Brothers has is playing the long game here and realize that even if it didn't do so great at the box office, it can still be financially successful between home releases and things like that, because in a lot of ways, I think this has like cult classic written all over it um and i think it's going to be a film that even if people didn't see in the theaters are going to be discovering you know months and years down the road Uh, so uh i i just hope that warner brothers isn't going to slap failure on this movie because it it still can have legs if they if they play it right and i want to see it i want to see it be a success uh, it does It does deserve to be seen by as many people as possible. And if a name change helps, then I'm all for it. Uh, Seth, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I was really intrigued um, by this decision for the most part. I, I wasn't really sure what the approach was or, or why it was important to make the decision. I understand that there's going to be a market response to what has been described as a slow start for the movie, um, but Brad, I'm taking in mind what you were saying about the idea of the long game and how important that is. I feel that the uh, values that I've heard placed upon this movie give it the the potential to not only be a box office success, but also a cult hit and an opportunity to build upon what it's establishing. Now. I'm going to be honest, I haven't had a chance to see the movie. My work life has been a little chaotic, and it hasn't left a lot of time for me to see this with my wife, who I I usually see most of my movies with. And I'm hoping I'll get to see this one with her, unless this is one of those ones where I just end up going to see it. But what I had already seen from the previews told me this was going to be a great opportunity to tell Harley's story and introduce the cast of Birds of Prey. I... I think that's still something that's really valuable and for whatever reason it's at a slow start i think that as it begins and continues to catch fire i'm hoping for a bit of a slow burn and a long burn how about you steve i
0: think that the main issue the movie may have had is that i don't think it was marketed very well it should have had a bit more of a boost initially than it did but Having seen the film, I loved it. It was non-stop fun, action, some of the best fight choreography I've seen on screen in a long, long time. And for me, as a fan of the whole Batman mythos, Batman universe, what I loved in particular was the way that Harley... Is closer to her comic book counterpart than she has ever been. They didn't just portray her as a kook, as a crazy. Her intelligence, her degree, her psychology, the way she read people in the film was absolutely spot on perfect. And she's fallen into that anti-hero category brilliantly. Now, the renaming of the film, I can dig it. I wish it had been given that name to start with because Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey is not only the title that's appearing on posters and in theaters now, it's the title of the comic book that's coming out as a direct response to this film. And thankfully, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Amanda Connor, two people I adore, who I've met, spoken to, interviewed, and whose work is just stellar – the movie is based mainly on their interpretation of the character, which is to me why I, I think the film works. And the people who are umming and Ari and thinking, oh, don't know about this, didn't like Suicide Squad much. Forget Suicide Squad. Go see this film on its own merits, because honestly, it's a great way of spending a couple of hours. Camp villain cheering up the scenery, powerful ladies kicking butt, taking no prisoners. It's it's a fantastic film, and if nothing else, watch it for the sandwich scene because Barry White's never sounded better. Um, that's all I can really say about that. Um, <laughs> Brad, so you have seen it? Did you enjoy the movie?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I did. I definitely did. Uh, I, I like those the fun, over the topness with everything. Um, I, I guess my only complaint was Black Mask. Didn't really necessarily have a lot of depth. It, he was a little too cartoony. But other than that, I
2: yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Seth, be- how do you recommend it? Wonderful. I'm really looking forward to it. I have loved the opportunities. Harley Quinn was never on my radar until I started doing more work with DC Comics News. And the more that I did and was exposed to to her book... I mean, some of the stuff that they've done is brilliant. I mean, all I could think of after I read a few issues and saw the the zany qualities that are so original and slapstick, but also the, the deeper notes, you know, the story about her mother's fight with a terminal illness and so many other elements that when this movie was being announced and we were going through the process of hearing about it filming, I thought to myself, if they can bring one-tenth of that to the screen, we're going to have a character who's going to be around for a really long time. Uh, It sounds like they really did a great job with her. Maybe some of the other elements weren't spot on, but I've also heard glowing responses from people like Gail Simone about how she went on like a 15-thread Twitter rant about how amazing Black Canary was and just only encouraged. And really... In regards to how I've heard your affirmation, Steve, I can only imagine between Gail Simone and you just how great this is. And, Brad, sorry, sorry. I think we, we cut
0: you off mid sentence as well there. Did you th- have something <laughs> oh, else you wanted yeah, to add? I was just,
1: just talking about how um, a lot of complaints that comic book fans had was, was – with Cassandra Kane and I realized that I didn't have that kind of connection to that character really uh, in a way this movie was kind of like rediscovering that character so that's not an issue that I had at all going into it so you know for a lot of the hardcore fans I didn't I didn't have that issue so I you know that did not take away from my enjoying it at all good stuff
0: Good stuff. I do say to anyone listening, um, if you're on the fence or listening to other people's opinions, and some of the opinions I'm hearing are for people who haven't even seen it, just saying, No, I don't want to see it. Why? Um, because, No, uh, I just don't want to see it. Then don't see it. But the people who are saying, Oh, yeah, everyone's pretty negative about it, make up your own minds. Seriously, guys, there's a film out there that uh, people have worked really hard on. And honestly, it's a great movie. I really enjoyed it. Go ahead, buy a ticket. Go watch it, make up your own mind, stand at other people, decide what you like for you. So moving on from the big screen, let's move on to the little bitty screen and the shows that we all love. And one of them is ending and looks like another one may be going a little bit further. But for the one that's ending, we have release date and all the really cool extras revealed for that final ah, season of Arrow rad
1: what did you make of this story uh you know a few weeks ago uh it was just me and kelly on the podcast and we were talking about the wrap-up of crisis Hand. i was like man i just wish they would release a blu-ray with all five episodes on it so you could just watch it back to back and when i read this story i was so happy to see that bonus disc i I don't buy a lot of Blu-rays or DVDs, just thanks to streaming and everything like that. I mean, it's just it's so hard to keep up. But this is one that I would definitely, definitely pick up just because it has all those five episodes of Crisis. And I am looking forward to watching it, you know, back to back for sure. So I was so happy to see that. And that kind of... <laughs> uh, outdid all the other stuff all the other bonuses as, as fun as those things look i was just like oh my god they're having the the episode of crisis
2: yes yes yes
1: <laughs> uh seth what'd you think <laughs>
2: you know brad i was listening to that interview And as soon as I read this story, (laughs) I thought of you because I remember you were saying, like, yeah, you know, let's talk about Crisis. It's been really hard because it's spread out between all the shows. And it would be nice if at some point they just packaged it together as one DVD offering. And I'm like, dude, so I I know you must have, you know, made some sort of connection with Mark Guggenheim. But how did you pull it off in such a short amount of time to be like, yo, Mark? Hey, uh, Mark. Yeah, yeah. But I have my ways. <laughs> yeah, well, clearly, I don't ever want to cross you. And <laughs> if if Brad wants to get it done, like I said, folks, his fashion podcast is coming. But when the man makes moves, he makes moves at his own speed. And when he wants things to happen, they happen. Clearly, uh, you know, Warner is listening. The CW is listening. Brad has. He's got that phone number. He just picks it up, makes a call. Hi, this, this is Brad. Yeah, <laughs> Flicky B. Hi, let's go ahead and talk. So uh, I, that, that was my biggest takeaway from all this was, dude, look at the big brain on Brad, man. Just you know, <laughs> dropping it off and breaking it down. Uh, in addition, I think that there's a cool list of stuff on here, all of the crisis stuff, whether it's the past and present of Kevin Conroy, Superman. Yeah, those, those uh, look the concept great, too. Of Parian, yeah, I, I think we've got some really, you know, cool concepts in here, in addition to the uh the Brad uh special, as I think we should come to call it. Um <laughs> Steve, what was your take on this, my friend? By the power of Grace Skull.
0: Brad has the power <laughs> Obviously, Mark Guggenheim still listens to the show after our interview with him and knows a good thing when he hears it. He thought, hmm, Mr. Follicki is on the right track. We must put all five episodes of Crisis and Infinite Earths on this release or the world, the worlds may all end. So well done, Brad, for putting that seed into the mind of everyone at the CW and Warner Brothers. We thank you. We salute you. And yes, once again, this is going to be one of the few DVDs and Blu-rays I buy for that reason. And because of the Kevin Conroy thing, because, hey, I don't know if you guys know, I kind of like Batman. I've heard this. But I digress. Yes, it's been touted. So, yeah, great set of features. Um, The whole five-part crisis thing makes it a must-buy for me. So, yeah, well done, Brad, for using your powers of the mind. To
1: the control only... <laughs> those limits And I I just wish that the Kevin Smith after show episodes were on there as well. That would have been a fun little thing to include. But I as long as I've got the five episodes and yeah, those that are that is like... the
2: only thing that I remember you mentioning that is missing yeah. from this. Because I remember yeah. when you described that, I was like, uh, oh, that would be a smart thing to add on it. Yeah, but other than that,
1: man, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for this for sure.
0: Well, Brad, go grab your Mento helmet, stick it on, and make sure that they add that to the special yeah. Steelbook edition
1: of the Season
0: 8 Blu-ray. That's yeah, great. come on, man. Yeah. Straight Straight on the out out there. Take <laughs> off <laughs> your tinfoil hats. Brad is sending an important message. Uh, special edition Steelbook Blu-ray final season of Arrow with all the Kevin Smith stuff. Get it? Okay. Got it? All right. Good. <laughs> And from one season ending, um, again, this is news that made me jump up and down for joy. Um, Lucifer may not be ending with the next season after all. Netflix are in talks to, um, I've never heard this phrase before, uncancel the show. Brad, what did you make of this
1: bolt from the blue? (coughs) This is just the show that will not die i mean it's it's just amazing the legs it has and it's very nice to see and this could also be one of those things that is a rumor or it's fact i'm not sure but uh a lot of ways uh, that netflix uses to determine how long a show goes is algorithms so i i guess that the fan response to the show switch the algorithms that they want more. So, yeah, I mean, bring it on. I think, I think the cast is great, and they really have lived in those roles now and that, that they really own them. So, yeah, I think the more the better. Seth, what do you think?
2: I thought this was such a fun story to start, you know, wrapping your head around, at least for me, simply with that idea of what a great appearance Tom Ellis made during Crisis. What a great moment and exchange between he and Constantine. Wouldn't it be great if season six, Meg Constantine would make a guest appearance on there? Why do my thoughts keep spinning like the top, the nemesis of the flash? What's happening here? Yes, it's the show that won't die. And yet I also remember the end of the movie legend and how there's that great moment, the devil or the horned creature, however you want to term him is disappearing into the abyss and saying, you can't get rid of me. (laughs) I'm always here, man. The darkness, you can't get rid of the dark. It needs to balance the light. And Lucifer, if your darkness is what we need, if your levity is the balance, well, then you know what? Let's talk about season 10, man, because this season by season thing, let's, let's quit joking around about it. Clearly, you plan on staying for longer than you've been telling us. So let's have some fun. Steve,
0: what was your take? I love Brad's line that it's the show that will never die. And even if it does, it won't go to hell. Sorry, I can't believe I said <laughs> that. Um, no, this, this show, I, I love this show. I have done from the beginning, but I will say, and I think I mentioned it before on this show, that the most recent season, the Netflix season, after it was cancelled by, uh, by Fox, was actually the strongest season of the show's history. And if they keep, Sending that amount of love and, and, and care behind it. And when you read the the actual article and you hear the producers say, thanks so much, Netflix, for letting us tell the story and end it on our own terms, because it did feel brutally cut short by Fox. There was so much more story to tell, as the most recent season proved. So, um, listen, uncancel away, people, uncancel away. This is a show I want to see more of. And, yeah, that boost by Crisis, like you said, Seth, having... Lucifer and Constantine on the same screen at the same time was a thing of beauty. More, please. And that's my take on that. So let's move on from the visual and moving picture aspect of things going to comics. But first, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors, learn how to save money at Wizard Cons, and learn about the other great shows on the DC Comics News Network. We'll be back. See you soon.
3: This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about The Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where The Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcast, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us. Right here on the DC Comics News Podcast.
0: First there
3: was the dc comics news
0: podcast then came the spitter rack and now the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff i just mentioned i am the knight a story about the stories a show celebrating batman the animated series week by week episode by episode just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the night. And like a bolt from the blue, our powers are strong and we have returned to entertain you. So we've talked about movies, we've talked about TV and streaming. Now we're going to talk about what started it all. The four coloured, glorious, magnificent, magical items known as comic books and what a way to start the comic book news. Everyone knows that uh, I've got my own little show called I am the Knights on this very network and the show that inspired it also inspired a long running series of comics, the Batman adventures, uh, Batman adventures, the lost years, Batman and Robin adventures and the Gotham adventures. And now a new six issue mini is coming, continuing the animated style adventures of Batman and his friends in comic book form. And Oh boy. Yes, I'm gonna buy every issue because I have to. It's the law. I may get locked up for less. Brad, what did you make of this wonderful yeah. news?
1: Yeah, I figured you'd be super psyched about this. And I just I love that uh Paul dini and Al Burnett and Ty Templeton are all involved. Uh you know, they were involved in the show and it was kind of their vision. So having them still continue on is great. I think I think this is I would not be surprised if this is one of the best-selling books uh, of the year. I think people are going to be really, really excited. Uh, this was, you know, and this it seemed to blow up the internet too. So, I, uh, you know, I saw this story reported so many places, and so many people were talking about it. So, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that the, definitely the excitement is there, and I think that people are really going to flock to this for sure. Seth, what do you think?
2: Such a great story. Uh, And Steve, you were the first person who came to mind. Um, The only other thing that came to mind was that feeling that I had. I remember I was with a friend and we had gone to uh, Disneyland here in California. And I was riding along with them and staying with them for a couple of days. And we're in this hotel and the TV is on. And we saw the first commercial for Batman, the animated series and the way he and I as young Batman fans who had camped out at like six in the morning in order to see Batman Returns. And we're just overjoyed at the announcement of this show that that sort of like spreading awareness of watching it unfold and all the things that have come from it since most recently, your amazing podcast, Mr. Steve and. In doing so, I, I was really just taken, as I read through this, the feeling that these were the original people behind it who were telling a story with all of these great elements that you you can immediately identify with the show. Um, the fact that, you know, Tim's still young, we're not even close to Batman Beyond, and there's a giant robot attacking the town. <laughs> and there was just something that I could visually, as soon as they, I read that description, just think to myself, like, yep. Yep giant robot. I can see it now. Some, you know, uh, compilation of all of those classic elements you would take from this kind of story and the timeless environment that uh, Batman the Animated Series created for Batman and for all of the characters who live in that timeless example of Gotham. Um, this seems like just a wonderful retelling of a time and new stories that took place then as they point out these gaps, which I was really intrigued by and curious to hear your thoughts on, Steve. Absolutely. It's
0: great because they're looking at a, a time period which wasn't really addressed in the show, which is always going to be interesting. And like I said, Paul Dinney and Alan Burnett, they were there and they helped make that TV series the legendary piece of entertainment that it still is 30 odd years later. And Ty Templeton, like you said, Brad, as well, he's the guy who started the whole animated um, adaptations and the new comic books based and inspired by the TV series. So brilliant. I mean, those are comics I've got all the single original issues for, and I've just started picking up the trades because I I love them so much. These are stories that are so beautifully crafted beautifully written and drawn that some of them, <clears throat> the visuals work by themselves. There are so many silent issues of that series, more than any other I can recall, in fact. And um, to see that continue, I've got a funny feeling that, like you said, Brad, the internet went cray-cray when this news was announced that this book was coming. I don't see it ending off the six issues. I think it's going to blow every other out of the water it's going to be a huge success it's going to sell like hotcakes, and it gets uh ends up getting extended to 12 or maybe even to an ongoing and that's happened quite a lot in recent years more with the independence and the big two companies but it has happened so let's hope we get a reverse of the new age of heroes and rather than all the sh- um, series ending that uh, the batman adventures do indeed continue for a long long time to come because I'm excited as hell. I cannot wait to see more of that book. And something we're going to be seeing more of as well is the fantastic cover art of Evan Doc Shaner, who has announced on Twitter that he is re-signing with DC, something that makes me very happy because I love his style and I love his artwork. Brad, what did you make of this brilliant news?
1: Yeah, um, I'm definitely glad to have him back. Uh, or i shouldn't say back but you know re-signing uh I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh his work on um strange adventures uh and the clips that we've gotten from that look really amazing so you know it, it's good to to have him staying on board for a while um i'm kind of hoping that strange adventures itself might be enough of a success that they uh that they keep going so yeah i'm glad glad he's sticking around for sure seth what'd you think
2: I thought this was a great story. I love the announcement that I saw on Twitter, uh, the, the picture that he has of this old DC Entertainment hat surrounded by these Superman figures and how he just sort of states, like, yeah, this is the hat I've had since I first signed. It's taken a beating, and yet I'm I'm including it because I want to talk about how I'm re-signing and I'll be around for the next couple of years. And when people ask what I do, I'm going to point to this hat proudly That was just a really great announcement. You know, you you never want to hear a bad story about a signing or a contract negotiation. And what you love is a great story like this that just sounds like it's full of excitement, full of passion, full of uh, promise for all the things that we can expect to see in the future. Um, And there was just something about it that was so, so positive, it just shined. It was just one of those great bright lights. Steve, what would you take my friend?
0: I couldn't agree more. He's one of my favourite cover artists. His work is really, really cool. Not over flashy, um, not over hype. It's just really great comic book artwork. It's not like painted and glitzy. It's, it's just like, it's literally j- almost generic but in a good way he's the kind of comic artist you look at and say yeah that guy really draws great comics and his covers and the fact i said the strange adventures um news is dead exciting after tom king's uh mr miracle strange adventures is a must read for me and obviously uh doc shaner drew the vast majority of the future quest series so we know he can do wacky out there sci-fi stuff um so He's the perfect choice. And the fact that he's re-signed with DC, he clearly loves the company, he clearly loves the characters, and the guy can draw. It's win-win for everybody, for fans, for readers, for Tom King, for Adam Strange, and for everyone who picks up that book. So Doc Shainer, we salute you, sir. Great news. Really, really happy to read that. Um, great news all round this week. I'm not talking about any delays or cancellations or things being um held up with reading about great news and uh seth i know you're gonna be excited about the next story but obviously you have to wait because you have to talk to brad first but marv wolfman riley rossmo, silver age flash story in the 80th anniversary flash 750 boy oh boy oh boy oh boy i'm excited
1: brad what do you think yeah i i'm excited too this uh uh, the story looks a lot looks a lot of fun in those preview uh, the art is really really cool and kinetic and the flash has such a great rogues gallery uh, so it's nice to see Mirror master uh, he's not necessarily one of those villains that pops up when you think of the flash but it's uh it's it's a cool idea and a cool concept judging by the preview so yeah this looks like a lot of fun and I love Marv workman's work so or Wolfman's work so yeah I'm excited about that as well Seth what do you think
2: I was patient. See, I waited. I waited until Brad was done. And now I can go crazy about the fact that, yeah, man, this is awesome. I mean, the art alone, I just love the the twisty bendy feel to it. Um, it reminds me of some of that great feeling that I got from Martian Manhunter, just with the facial expressions and the angles and the, I am really excited also because mirror master is getting some play now. Um, I, I loved what he was doing during the rogues war. I love the fact that if you've been following uh, the television show recently, we're starting to get glimpses of Mirror Master's uh, sort of introduction. And seeing this classic story is just one of those great elements. There is always something extra menacing about Mirror Master. The idea that he tapped into this mirror dimension and when they really put a lot of creativity to it or just peeled some corners a certain way it it was a horrifying concept that can do so much both good and evil and you know a, a great classic story talking about one of these wonderful characters who i'm looking forward to seeing hopefully uh make some new appearances in the future it i'm really excited i mean The covers have been getting me Joshua Williamson's work on the flash up to this point has really been stellar. I've loved everything he's done and then just tacking on so much other great talent into this wonderful book. You know, I was raving about the cover before and and I'm not done and I don't know how many others I'm going to get because I know I'm weak and DC owns my wallet. They just know it. Um, but yeah, man, this was such a cool concept. I love the story. Uh, You know, if you've read a Marv Wolfen story, you know what it means to fall in love with great writing. If you followed Riley Rossmo's work, you know what great art looks like. This is just a win-win. Steve, I'm done ranting. Pick it up.
0: It was beautiful to hear, my brother. Beautiful to hear. And yeah, if you listen to to Seth's show, The uh, Spinner Rack, we know that Martian Manhunter has been in your top five list many a time, uh, largely due to the, the artwork of Riley Rossmo and and rightly so he is unique no other guy draws like him uh some might find it too cartoony whatever i call that style i call that drawing in your own way and seeing him pick up the silver age flash and i will say it categorically my favorite flash baddie mirror master for the same reasons you say seth that's a terribly disturbing power because where in the world is there not a reflective surface that he can just pop out of and grab you and drag you in there with him? And it's brilliant to see him appear, not just in this story. Like I said, he's starting to make more of a resurgence in the Flash TV show. If you read next week's Deceased Unkillables, issue one, he's a big part of that. Pick that up. Anything to do uh, by Tom Taylor is worth picking up. And then when you realise that this story isn't just drawn by Riley Rossmo, it's going to be written by Marv wolfman no one can deny one of the greatest comic writers ever not just for the last five years 10 years 15 years 20 years 30 years ever this guy's work on virtually every dc character has been phenomenal he brought the teen titans back the new teen titans which he made with with george perry is one of the greatest comic books of all time fact the crisis on infinite earths the greatest miniseries ever that, that totally changed the game for comic books. He wrote that. Fact. His cameo in the Crisis on Infinite Earth crossover on TV, um, up there with anything that Stan Lee did. Fact. Listen, exciting isn't the word. These 80th anniversary specials that DC has been putting out, not only sell by the bucket load, they're some of the best reads ever. Um, Marvel's 1000 was a great book, but we've already had action. We've had Detective, we've had Wonder Woman 750, we're getting Flash 750. In a couple of moments, we'll be talking about the 80th anniversary of Green Lantern. And now we've got Robin, Joker, Catwoman. DC, when it comes to comic books, are on fire right now. So I don't know if anyone's noticed. I'm happy. I'm excited. And uh, hearing your joy as well, Seth. It's infectious, thank you for that that was that was beautiful. <laughs> never apologize for loving something brother ever 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 so yeah let's talk about the other guy who's celebrating 80th anniversary this year a certain green lantern and uh, more exciting news Brad, what would you make of this story
1: you know you kind of took the words right out of my mouth, Steve because you were saying how it's such a you know DC comics are on fire and they absolutely are they are taking. I, I just love the how they're using these anniversaries with these big issues. They're just so much fun, and just the creative teams that they, the, their talent pool that they can draw from right now is just incredible. And the people involved in this book just goes to show: uh, Jeff Lemire, Jeff Johns, uh, James Tinian. I mean, it's Peter Tomasi. I mean, it's just the the it's just great. So all these stories. And if they're anything like these other big anniversary books have been, it's just, it's, just, it's just a great time to be a DC fan. This is just another example. Uh, Seth, what would you think?
2: I love a celebration of great characters. I love everything that Steve was just saying um, about who we've had the chance to celebrate so far. I mean, Action 1000 and Detective 1000, those were some pretty phenomenal milestones. But... You know, picking up Wonder Woman 750 last week and reading it again and looking through all of the stories and stopping at the different pages of art, being blown away again by that Liam Sharp picture. And looking forward to everything that we get to see now with the Flash 750, now with this celebration of Green Lantern, this spectacular looks, well, spectacular. (laughs) Not to be redundant. I mean, between the gorgeous covers, between the amazing collection of art um i'm i'm enthralled with the idea of seeing so many characters that i love that i don't get to see as often and i hope we'll get to see more of you know i I think you remember i think it was probably about six or eight episodes back that i was raving about how cool alan scott's boots are and how his outfit just overall is like one of my favorite things in comics um you know I, i i love seeing that there's a story about him I love the way Guy Gardner gets under my skin. Um, I loved Kyle Rayner. Yes! I thought, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, boy, I really loved listening a little while back to you guys talking about how uh, your favorite time with the Justice League of America, Europe, International. That That's some of the comics I grew up on, man. Like, that that was yeah. the stuff that shaped and informed, you know, the blah-ha-ha-ha. Ha, ha. <laughs> Not to jump in and interrupt you here, but... Yeah.
1: I think that that moment where Batman punches Guy Gardner is still one of the best best all-time moments in comics history, hands down. And I wanted to bring that up when we were talking about it, so I'm glad you brought it back up again because
2: I wanted to throw that in there.
3: It's still
1: one of the best moments.
2: You know, and what made it so great was later when it was echoed, when Blue Beetle gains a little bit of weight and he and Guy Gardner get in the ring and there's that great fight and he – hits him with the first boxer's punch and they're like another one punch and then I was like wow take it all the way back that's so awesome <laughs> I mean it was part of the breakdown story and it got a little dark after that but man what, what a great collaboration of writers so you know for all the things that Guy Gardner annoys me about you know there's also a part of me that just wants to hear him say one more time was that a crack you know what I mean like I just want that little extra so I, I love this collection um I love Jon Stewart. I think Jessica Cruz is one of the coolest conceptualized green lanterns in storytelling right now. Um, What they're doing with her story in uh, justice league Odyssey is so cool. Like I want to see more of her and what her character is showing me. Simon is someone that I I feel like I want to keep seeing more of that. The the sort of brief introduction was like, it was a good tease, but I, I want more. I, I love all of these characters. I'm, thrilled to death to see these cool covers i mean i'm seriously thinking to myself like i have to put in a lot of extra side work in order to afford all this stuff i don't know how i'm gonna do it i think my wife might have an issue with me soon um um and i don't care because it's all several very amazing stuff oh god all of them i mean i'm looking at the pages that guy Guy gardner one that cover looks so cool it that one right there i'm like all right i'm probably there's a kyle one i'm probably yeah man there there's a lot that i'm saying yes to and i'm not going to say no to in this steve go for it my friend
0: Brad, if Seth hadn't said something about the one punch thing, you'd be guaranteed <laughs> that I would. Brother. So, so it was definitely going to come out there at some point or other. And as soon as I saw that guy guard the cover, the first thing I thought was, oh, my God, Brad, I have to bring up the one punch thing. And, and I, it's, it's not just that. It's not just the fact that it was the one punch. It was the fact that Black Canary walks in a couple of seconds later and she says, Batman, Dick, Guy, Gardner, and I missed
1: it. That's still one. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah. And Man, one that,
0: Of
1: all that time. That one was so amazing. Fantastic. Fantastic. I I'm Absolutely. talking about it. makes you want to go and reread it.
0: <laughs> Brad, after we spoke about it a couple of weeks back, I pulled out my long boxes. Seriously. Oh, do. yeah.
1: Really? I pulled them out
0: all those <laughs> yeah. issues. Yes, I did. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, oh, yeah. Back to the topic in question. <laughs> yeah. You know, until anniversary, listen. All these anniversary issues are gorgeous. Um, They're perfect to give to anybody who thinks, hmm, I don't know what to read. I don't know which character to get get into. Give them Action 1000. Give them Detective 1000. Give them Wonder Woman 750. Fashion 150. Give them this Green Lantern book. Give them the Robin anniversary. Give them the Joker anniversary. So much stuff in there that you can read as a one-off, or if you like the way the stories are going, pick up the ongoing titles. This is the ground floor. And like I say, these covers... I have to mention Nicola Stott's cover because she's done these group shots for all of them but with uh, Batman it was just all the different versions of Batman we've seen the different costumes we've had from the 40s to today. Same with Superman Um, but with this Green Lantern it's every Green Lantern, including Teen Lantern from Young Justice, including the wonderful Jessica Cruz. As you said, her role in the current Justice League Odyssey is great. We've seen Sinestro in his Green Lantern uniform, but do you not think, and Seth, I know you'd agree because you've already mentioned his boots. That costume with Alan Scott standing front and centre, the original comics Green Lantern, um, that whole look with the purple cape, the, the red tunic. He's standing out and everyone else just blurs into the background. He looks awesome on that cover. Do you not agree?
2: Oh, and you know what I always loved about his ring? And I'm I'm looking at this cover and reminded of the fire. There was something Mm -hmm. raw about the Green Lantern fire from Alan Scott. I don't know what it was, but it was just like it was like he had a flamethrower tucked in that thing. Everything he made was like burning and seeing that image with the the ring just sort of, you know, giving off that tiny bit of flame, I'm like, wow, yeah, without question. And you know what else? I want a purple cape now. I'm just saying it, I want a purple cape. (laughs) I wanna walk into every room with a purple cape with the, the collar going up that high and a gold chain across. I don't know how it's gonna happen, I don't know when, but if you see me in a purple cape, this is the moment you knew, well, it was happening. <laughs>
0: Brad, is, you are our style guru. Do you not think that Alan Scott should sue Doctor Strange for stealing the big logo? <laughs> oh
2: yeah,
0: seriously, yeah. dude. <laughs>
2: dude stop my look. Copyright, copyright <laughs> infringement. I what is you, going <laughs>
0: on here? And I love the way you brought up the flames with the ring, Seth. I couldn't agree more because if you look back, if you remember the the Green Lantern logo when Alan Scott's Green Lantern was green lantern but in burning flames yep. and people said to me what's that about i said "Oh, well, it's about alan scott who hal jordan's green lantern Ugh! he is now um but yeah. say he's not, i'm just a comics nerd what can i tell you but yeah another fantastic piece of news another great 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 comic to look forward to
1: dc wowzer yeah, On... and, and you know it's sort of in again but no, no, go thinking, for it. like it's it's it's, it's one of the coolest things about Green Lantern is all the people who have worn the ring, fans know and like them all, you know, even if it's Guy Gardner. But those names stick with people. It's not like one is more forgotten than the other. You know, whether it's John Stewart, Kyle Rayner, everybody, they all resonate, uh, resonate with people and they all kind of have their own place within – the the mythology of Green Lantern. So that's it's just that's really cool to see too.
2: You know you You just remind me. Yeah. I totally were stepping all over each other, Steve. Uh, I I was just gonna say one thing that you remind me of with that was you know what that also reminded me of was the Green Lantern Core quarterlies. Do you remember those books? Yeah. And how you got to see stories of Green Lanterns you never saw again? You know, or sometimes you would get to see them have a recurring. But what you brought up, Brad, was so brilliant was the fact that everyone had the potential to be a Green Lantern. It was like if you were the best representative from your world, if you showed true willpower, if you were fearless, if you offered up those resilient qualities that the Green uh, Lantern Corps recognizes, you could wear that ring. You know, it just took the will and the ability and Man, uh, you you really brought up a great thing that that always uh, really drew me to the Green Lanterns. And uh, Brad just wanted to say thanks for that, man. That was a good (laughs) reminder. Great memory. I was like, Green Lantern Corps Quarterly, ah! Ah! Steve, it's yours. Yeah, Yeah. Tales of the Green Lantern Corps was was
0: absolutely fantastic. And I, I, I actually, I love what you said, Brad. Every Green Lantern, every person on that cover is somebody's favourite and unlike other characters who may have had lots of incarnations, um, I don't know of any single Green Lantern that somebody doesn't love. Every Mm. single Green Lantern has got his fan, his era, and I don't think I've heard anyone say I don't like that Green Lantern about any of them. And even good old guy Gardner, who is the Green Lantern everybody loved to hate, you loved him because you saw in him just another guy who just managed to be given the most powerful weapon in the universe. And he used it. Let's be honest in the way most normal human beings would, because he wasn't uh-huh. the ultimate hero. <laughs> good guy, square chisel jaw, stand up, dude. He was just an average Joe who was brave enough to get the ring. And he didn't care who knew about it. And that's what made him great. So yeah, absolutely. Yep. Every single one of them. Um, Awesome. Awesome. Right. So we have talked movies. We've talked TV. We've talked comic books. Now we have one of those um, moments where we have other news. And I will start off the uh, final segment with news that has finally got me saying London is going to be the place to be this spring. Park Crow, the world's first DC Comics immersive restaurant experience, is coming to <clears throat> my hometown of London. Um, when can I expect to book you guys in at
1: Hotel de Ray, Brad? That's exactly what I was going to ask. <laughs> my two things were going to be: Steve, tell me you're going on opening day, and when can I come over and crash so I can go and see it too? <laughs> yeah, I mean this was, this is just going to be amazing. Um, and, and in all seriousness, I really do hope that you go Steve and take some really great pictures and yes definitely I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing uh kind of seeing your take on it when you actually get to go there so yeah this this is just going to be amazing and maybe hopefully it'll be successful enough that they can open one here in New York where I'm at so yeah yeah this is going to be amazing for sure Seth what did you think?
2: Well, you know. All right, let's go ahead and get the uh, travel arrangements in line. Let's go ahead and start booking. Um, you're registered on Airbnb, right, Stevo? are um, like you know, couch. It's an exclusive place that only works for fellow
0: brethrens of comic book kind.
2: Well, that's the kind of exclusivity I can get down with. Um, I, I love this story. I think it's such a great concept. It's sounds like an amazing space, 18,000 square feet. And I love that there's all these great dining experiences. Um, Iceberg Lounge, the intro where you sort of get like this Batcave sort of uh, arena area, three bars, five different restaurants, and, uh, you know, villainous cocktails. Uh, There's so much here to love, whether it's the design, whether it's all the theories behind the different restaurants and the approaches. You know, um, here's the thing I have to ask, Steve. What's the feeling like that it's landing in your backyard? Well,
0: I've been following this story for well over a year, actually. Um, I worked in the catering industry for a while back, and um, I I saw the license application for this restaurant, and uh, a colleague on the Don't Like News brought it to my attention when i was still working in the catering industry and when i see names like claudio cardoso um the chief exec of sushi samba which is one of the biggest biggest restaurant chains in the uk as being one of the guys behind this restaurant um yeah i'm gonna be there if i can't be there opening night i will be there opening week garen Teed, and if I can throw that in as being part of DC Comics news, and we're going to do publicity for the restaurant, then uh, even better. But if I have to go in as a paying customer and be poor for a couple of weeks, hey, well that's okay too. Um, like you guys said, five restaurants, the layout, the Iceberg Lounge, Harley Quinn Sushi Bar. This place is gonna be beyond awesome. DC memorabilia all over the place. Planet Hollywood. Eat your heart out. This is going to be the fan experience restaurant. And Brad, no doubt, this place is going to be huge. It's going to open up in New York, in LA for you, Seth, worldwide. Um, it's going to be at the Six Flags restaurants. It's going to be everywhere. If it oh, doesn't do well, yeah, it has to be. It has to be done. If it doesn't do well, guys, I will buy myself a hat and eat it. Those <laughs> are my words <laughs> on this subject. Um, So moving on from eating things, including hats, let's talk about um, Brad's specialist subject for this hour, video games and the Harley Quinn outfits from the new movie are going to be available in the Fortnite game. What do you make of this?
1: It's 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 kind of interesting and it kind of shows the confusion of marketing this movie. Um, Certainly, it's not just kids that play Fortnite but it is where a lot of kids go and it is like a social place where kids go to hang out. Um, and the fact that Harley Quinn is rated R and they're bringing these costumes in, it's, it's, it's a little, why would they do that? But it is a good, it is a good way to advertise and get the words out. And kids love to change the costumes, the characters and things like that. So I think that uh, it will bring kids to the game and it'll turn it on to the characters, but to do it in the context of an R-redo movie seems a bit strange uh,
2: to me. Seth, what do you think? I'm, I'm kind of an interesting place about this. Um, I don't play Fortnite, and if there's booing and hissing in response to that, I accept it. But I'm also proud of the fact that I'm willing to admit it openly and honestly. Um, so my first reaction was, huh, wonder how that works which made me scroll through the story and learn about the idea of the item shop and how they're available for just a little while longer, it looks like. And then they're not going to be available, I guess, anymore. Um, sort of a limited time offering. Uh, I thought the uh, the concept seemed interesting, you know, about the whole idea of using the pickaxes and, and the different outfits that go with it. Um, I was just sort of curious about, what this means for somebody who plays the game. So, Brad, to be honest, your answer was actually a lot more insight into just what this means as someone who would play the game or has familiarity or greater familiarity with the game than myself. Um, And also this concept that I wasn't really thinking about until I heard your answer uh, about the confusion maybe with the marketing and and the approach with the the film. You know, these are some interesting ideas because it it seems like one content – is reserved for an older audience and this content uh, has a wider range appeal um and where that clash might occur steve what what was your take yeah very insightful answer
0: from brad actually something i hadn't considered at all um yeah it's an r-rated movie but i'll also say this um apart from some of the violence and the language that could easily be reworked into a pg movie um there was nothing overtly um, titillating or sexual about the film. And in fact, some of the comments I saw online against the movie was, what are DC doing? They've totally taken all the sex appeal out of these female characters. What's the point of even seeing them? They're all covered up. Um, yeah. this, the, these movies are comic book movies um, aimed at guys. What the hell are DC doing? And I thought, um, What? You clearly have never read a comic book in your life. And if that is why you're reading comic books, go back to 90s image, you Um, saddo. So, mm, yeah, different for the game. But honestly, this film could easily be reworked. And if it gets people playing video games and then the people who play the games like the costume and then go see the film, it's win-win. But it should have happened before the film came out would be be my take. I, I don't know. Brad, I mean, obviously you know more about this kind of thing than I do. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, it's um, it's not just kids who play it, so I get that. And it's just one of those things, like, looking back on it, I'm just wondering, like, do you think Warner Brothers is kind of kicking themselves for not making it PG-13? Would that have brought more people into the theaters? Did they underestimate the appeal of Harley Quinn? uh to to like like teenage girls i mean i don't know um and maybe Fortnite analytics would be interesting to see because how many people did actually go into the game and change the costumes for this and and things like that and uh, that is the worst (laughs) criticism of this movie that i've ever heard that the characters were not covered i mean that is just that is is just awful I actually enjoyed the costumes more. I thought the uh, the Black Canary was probably one of my favorite versions of that character ever. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I, that so that is just absolutely appalling.
2: And pretty immature sounding, right? I mean, it just mm-hmm. seems like, you know, like, wow. OK, clearly someone is just oversexed and ignorant. And actually, under, it, probably. Well, yes. <laughs> maybe just hyper in their own minds and for whatever reason they have decided to take that out on the things that they're viewing but yeah if you're trying to get some sort of you know other experience out of this than a great story with great characters you're you're in the wrong genre just you're in the wrong place you're you're not among like company just so you know that
0: <laughs> i mean like you guys um have quite rightly said i mean i don't know if you know that I've been mentoring uh, teenagers and tutoring um, kids uh, in English and in reading and stuff for for years and years and years and years. And I went to see this movie with uh, some of the kids who I've I've mentored and who are now adults. And the only two dudes in our party were my son and I. Uh, The rest were all ladies in their 20s, and they loved the movie. So I don't know. I think the actual – Our rating was a good thing. I mean, look at Joker. It it cleared a billion. I think what's let this film down is Warner's marketing and literally just people bad-mouthing it and knocking it down before it was even released and idiots like that guy on social media saying that DC don't know who their market is. Um, I went in as a man who's going to be 50 in a couple of weeks and I loved it. The 20-year-old people with me loved it. My son, his girlfriend, uh, three other ladies. So, hey, um, don't get me wrong. If an audience that diverse went into the same film at the same time and enjoyed it, we said it earlier. Guys, don't let people
1: make up your minds for you. Go see the previous Yeah, and I think that you're exactly right. Anybody who's seen this movie, as far as comments that I've seen, have liked it. And that's why I think it still has... It still has an ability to be profitable in some way if they play their cards right because I think as more and more word gets out, it may not be enough to save it at the box office, but in Blu-rays and you know merchandise, you know I, I think that it still can uh, it, it still can bring some profit to Warner Brothers. I I just hate the idea of it being considered a failure when. By all metrics, it should not. You know, it should. It's it drives me crazy. And if those are the reason that people are staying away because they don't like that the characters are dressed the way they are, that is just uh, it's just a pathetic, sad reflection on the state of the world today.
0: I'm hoping that was just that one dude, to be honest. Um, yeah. The
1: other
0: the other people I've got saying is they're not really Harley Quinn fans, which is a decent reason. But hey, there's lots of other characters in this film. Like I said, Black Canary was awesome beyond awesome the way they teased her power in the lounge when she's singing um Mm -hmm. you're waiting for the whole rest of the movie for her to let rip and use her Canary quiet and when she does boy oh boy oh boy oh boy i don't want to spoil it because seth hasn't seen it yet seth love to hear your feedback when you see the film brother
2: are you going too soon looking forward to hopeful uh as i said i do always have to coordinate with my other half my better half um, but I, I do see it on our horizon, so hopefully very soon. Outstanding. Well, that's
0: um, all the news we have for the week. I've loved being here as I always do. This uh, this show is one of the rays of sunshine in my life, so um, it's always a joy and a pleasure to partake in it with my friends, colleagues, and as Seth quite rightly calls us frequently co-conspirators so conspiratorial brethren where can the world and their mother see your work across the internet
1: brad i can find me writing news and reviews at dc comics news you can follow me on twitter at
2: flicky b1 seth you can Find me on DC Comics News where I write reviews. You can also find me here with these fine folks weekly on the DC Comics News podcast. And, Mom, if you're out there, just take with a grain of salt anything you find about me on Twitter as one more singleton. Otherwise, just stick to Facebook where you can see pictures of my dogs and stuff. Steve, how about you, my friend? Lovely, lovely pooches. Yes, go to your search engine of
0: choice, type in the words Steve, J Ray, and you'll get links to my work on DC Comics News and Dark Knight News. And of course, this wonderful show, too. And this wonderful show isn't the only one. Um, the DC Comics News Network and all our shows are now on all major podcast platforms. Apple. Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. So please, please, please head over there. Subscribe to the podcast rates and review us. Let us know what we're doing right. Let us know what we're doing wrong. Hopefully not very much in the wrong column. And you can follow DC Comics News and our sister site, Dark Knight News, on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube at DC Comics News, capital D, capital C, capital C, -C O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S, and at Dark Knight News 2. Please check out the other shows. Check out Seth Spinarak. If you don't know which book to buy, listen to this dude. He reads them all of them and he'll put you on the right path. And to my little show I am the night where we talk about Batman the animated series episode by episode where we break it down and tell us what we thought and literally just have a fanboy moment on a weekly basis. You can catch all those shows on the DC Comics News Podcast network. So, as always, all that's left for me to say is there's something that everybody out there needs to do. And what is that, guys?
2: Read read more
0: comics. See you next week. Take care.